Welcome back to another week of the Post Sermon Reflections podcast. I am elated um, to be here, excited for um, just another week where we get to serve Jesus and say yes to him with our lives and get to hear the proclamation of the good news um, and the word proclaimed. Uh, We are in towards the end of the search sermon series. And so we talked today about Mary Magdalene at the tomb of Jesus post his resurrection. And I'm here with Anthony and Liz. You guys want to give a holla? Holla. Holla. Holla, babe. (laughs) Elizabeth is my wife. Yes. I so, know I'm not going to get a word in today. <laughs> big drama, big drama. Uh, I'm also elated to be here. Yeah. Uh, Liz doesn't know that I try to come up with new words other than excited every every week because they say the same thing. Um, and so this, Liz is my oldest sister um, and she is a joy uh, to have here. And then uh, love Aunt, Love him so much. And so I am excited to hop into um, this reality of seeing Jesus for who he really is and uh, Mary's experience at the tomb. And so, Aunt, will you hit us with the recap of the text in John, it's 20, correct? John 20? John 20. All right, hit us with the brother. So, it's on Sunday, the first day of the week. Uh, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb uh, nice and early. It's actually still dark at that time. Uh, She goes over to Simon Peter and to John as well and said, oh my goodness, they have taken Jesus out of the tomb. We don't know where he is. So... There's kind of this, you know, unrest between everyone trying to figure out what's going on. Um, The disciples come to the tomb. um, But at one point, uh, Mary Magdalene is outside of the tomb. She's weeping. And as she's weeping, she stoops to look into the tomb. And while she stoops in there, she sees two angels. Uh, They're right where Jesus had been laid. And uh, one at the head, one at the feet. And they ask her why she is crying. She explains to them, they've taken away Jesus. I don't know where he is. And then uh, after she says this, uh, Jesus appears and asks the same question. He says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she thinks that he's the gardener at that point. And she says, hey, if you know where Jesus is, please tell me so that I can go get him. And all Jesus says is her name, Mary. And then she refers to him as Rabboni, which means teacher. She acknowledges that he, in fact, is the risen and alive Jesus. And then Jesus says, don't cling to me. I'm not ascended yet, but I'm going to ascend. And then Mary Magdalene goes out and announces to the disciples that she has seen the Lord. Mm, That's so good. Yeah, such an interesting passage because you see someone who loves Jesus but doesn't always fully understand. Um, And there's plenty of people that we meet in our lives who probably fall into that similar category. Liz, I would love to hear um, what was your big takeaway from hearing uh, the sermon preached today? First of all, I have to give a compliment to Pastor Brennan for the To Kill a Mockingbird reference. I love when he uses literature or history to... um, illustrate the text because it makes us smarter as he's also (laughs) preaching. But mostly you love his sports analogies. I prefer the history (laughs) and literature references and that's why I'm calling it out. (laughs) So silly. Yeah. Um, I do learn a new word almost every single sermon that I have to look up. I have to write write down. Say, yes, I don't. Pastor Brennan is a true educator. Like to his Mockingbird. Core. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so silly. <laughs> what was the question, Ruth? <laughs> Your takeaway, babe. Yeah, oh, my takeaway. Take um, as Pastor Brennan was preaching, I was just thinking about um his point about 
being blinded by our circumstances or church hurt or um, just these expectations that our life or other Christians are supposed to act this way and how that can affect our relationship with Christ and, you know, our willingness to be in community, to learn more about him and to have a deeper relationship with him and how other Christians can sometimes dictate what Christ says about himself. Mm, That's so good. It's like interesting even thinking of like, Mary was not expecting the resurrection, nor were any of the disciples. Mm-hmm. So like she's she's in good company of people who are not actually holding Jesus to his word. And meaning like there is a reality that there are the people around you who can, they should have been awaiting yeah. his resurrection if they were taking what he said seriously. Um, and for when you think about your friends or people in your life who would say, you know what? I tried this Jesus thing out. I'm not into it. And I have these experiences that are really painful to me. And you're, you're talking to them. How would you point them to truth if that's kind of their perspective, bringing their baggage to why they don't want to know Jesus? Yeah, it's going to depend on the unique circumstance. Yeah. But um, I would say a good rule of thumb is to find a believer that you trust, yeah. um, that you look up to, and ask them to go through the situation with you and be open to correction. Mm. Um, because as a Christian, I'm going to fail my friends yeah. and there may be someone who's failing you and it could be sinful. It could be personal, but it's not Christ who is doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, there would be a huge loss to you if you shunned all Christian community because of something that happened in church or with a specific person. Mm-hmm. Then I would also encourage you to get counseling. I feel like counseling is one of the most sanctifying experiences that I've been through. Yeah, same. Um, and they can really help you navigate. Like, are you thinking through this based on your own lens or what scripture actually says? Yeah. And then obviously to go to scripture and look through the lens of scripture to figure out if this is sinful, if the person should be confronted, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of a, it's adjusting your lens, bringing other people to shed light on the situation, um, recognizing that there is areas in which you can also be wrong mm-hmm. and the other person can be wrong and it's okay that there are multiple wrongs in a situation. It doesn't have to be us versus them, but a reality of like, all right, where where am I going to need to give forgiveness? Where am I going to need to ask for forgiveness? That's really helpful. A true Christian community is messy yeah. <laughs> because we're all sinful and we're all going to hurt each other to some extent. Yeah. And that is why scripture is very clear on how to confront another believer, how to hold them accountable, how to speak truth to one another. Yeah. Yeah. That's really encouraging. That's really encouraging. Anthony, what about you? What would be your takeaway from from this text? Yeah. So I think the the biggest thing for me, and this actually kind of goes into what Elizabeth was talking about, mm-hmm. is the idea of um, worshiping and clinging to and believing in the right Jesus. Um, and when we say the right Jesus, we have all different types of perceptions about who Christ can be. Mm-hmm. Um, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, Christ is called the cornerstone. And um, he's not only the cornerstone of the universe, mm. he's the cornerstone of our faith, of our worldview, of our lives. And if we think about the main piece of the building that is you know, going to dictate how the rest of the building is built— if our cornerstone is shifted even just a little bit, then the rest of the entire structure is going to be off-centered as well. So uh, we can think about this theologically. 
um, people who believe in Jesus but not as God, um, and how that totally shifts their faith and their worldview, and all these wacky things come into in, into play as well. Um, but we also have a tendency to not view Christ as who He is simply because we are sinful and marred human beings. Mm-hmm. And I would just lastly add that the connection to what um, my wife said is just a lot of times if we have experienced church hurt, um, the temptation is to throw Jesus out mm-hmm. with the church. Um, but what we need to understand is that two situations could be at play. Number one, um, we may have a wrong view of Jesus and maybe the church that we're attending does. Mm. And perhaps this Jesus is offensive to us and our sin and we need to submit to um, the the Bible. Mm. Or perhaps the, the church that we are attending does have an incorrect view of Jesus. But at the end of the day, the only thing that we can do is run to the word of God to see what the Bible says about who Jesus is and use that as our um, barometer uh, to be able to to define who who Christ actually is. Yeah. One question that I have um, is like thinking about someone who's like come to know Jesus and when you become a Christian, all the information that you feel like everyone else knows feels like really intimidating. I was talking to a friend or someone who might've just gotten saved today and then being like, man, there's like a lot to know. How would you encourage them saying, hey, they're not going to read the Bible in one day. They're not going to understand the Bible if they read it all in one day. How can they start pursuing the Jesus of the Bible and avoid maybe some of the pitfalls of um, getting twisted up, but also just recognize that they're in a lifelong journey with Jesus, that he's going to be continually revealing. Like the Holy Spirit that we're promised continually reveals Jesus to us in greater clarity and greater clarity. How would you encourage them in maybe the beginning of their faith, Anthony? Yeah, so I remember being a part of a a really solid church Bible study and somebody asking, um, you know, we were going through the book of John and somebody said, who did John write this book to? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. How am I supposed to know that? Um, And this was obviously very early on in my faith, but it's one of those things that when you fall in love with Christ, Mm -hmm. like you will want to know absolutely everything that you can Mm -hmm. about him. And it can be overwhelming and intimidating when you hear people using Christianese and all these different theological concepts. But you have to understand that the the gospel is simple. It's that Jesus came, and if we put our hope and our trust in him, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that he is who he says he is, then we will be saved. That alone should suffice for us to say like, okay, I am a Christian. yeah. And then from there to say like, wow, I recognize my own sin. I recognize the glory and the grace Mm -hmm. of God. I may not be able to get it all in one sitting, Mm -hmm. but for the rest of my life, I want to dedicate and sacrifice my life to getting to know this God better. Mm -hmm. And I would really encourage people to take a moment and I want you to ask yourself, where am I getting my information about who God is from? Mm, and if we're, if we're getting it from people that are on TV, and I'm not saying every TV preacher is, is bad or evil, mm-hmm. but if these TV people are hyping us up and making us feel like when we walk out of church, like, man, I am just the best person and, and God loves me because I'm so wonderful and blah, blah, blah. 
we have to go to a church that is going to take the Bible and explain it to us. Not everything in the Bible is going to make us feel good. The mm-hmm. Bible exposes yeah. our own sin. Oftentimes, I step on the scale and I'm like, yikes. But the scale is not going to lie to me. The scale is going to tell me the truth. My wife is making faces because I'm I'm getting too loud over here. But the scale is going to tell me the truth. In the same way, the Bible is going to show me my own sin and, and demonstrate my need for a Savior. And unless... I recognize my shortcomings as a human being. I will never recognize my need for a savior. Mm, that's so good. So like for you, that step one is saying, hey, when you have fallen in love with Jesus, you're going to hunger for his word. And it's important to like recognize who we're listening to. And if what they're saying is congruent with what scripture says, um, that we want to be putting ourselves around people who have a high view of the Bible and have a high Absolutely. view of a, a real life of sanctification that'll often rub against our flesh and our desires. And if we're not coming away saying, man, I'm so grateful for the grace because I wasn't worth saving, mm-hmm. but Jesus thought, Jesus thought I was, so I'm going to trust Jesus and Jesus's intentions, but I'm not going to trust me and my desires. Uh, I think that's really, really encouraging. Anthony. I really appreciate that. Um, this is a question to both of you. Um, what was one thing that was challenging or encouraging from from this text, we'll we'll start with Liz. Yeah, you go ahead, babe. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that was encouraging slash challenging, mm, equally equally fifty 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 down the middle, was Pastor Brennan's point about um, Mary not even knowing uh, that that was Jesus when he when she saw him. And she didn't realize it was him until he called her by name. And I think that is the testimony of a lot of us who have grown up in the church is that we sit under biblical teaching for so long. And then one day it's like Jesus is calling us by name. Yeah. And pulls our ticket. It is encouraging to me to continue to pray for my friends who have sat under biblical teaching for the early years and are now rejecting it. Um, Mm -hmm that there is still a chance for Jesus to call their name. Yeah. And um his word does not return void. Um so it was encouraging to still be praying for them even though it feels like they've made decisions to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. And it is encouraging and challenging to pray for the people that attend church every day. Yeah. Not every day, every Sunday. Every Sunday. No, that's You go to church day. every day? <laughs> Not me, but some that, people may. So this is for that, them. That's where you've been? <laughs> that's where I've been every day. While I'm watching your two kids? <laughs> Big drama. Please keep your guys' marriage out of the podcast. Um, I think on that point, I think that's like, it's really interesting to recognize like there is an understanding until there's an, a, pers- a personal encounter with Christ. And the I remember talking to, to Pastor Brendan about what does this like personal encounter mean? And like wrestling through myself saying like, when we have an impersonal encounter, the two things that we recognize is conviction of the person of Jesus and then oftentimes conviction of our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can have these experiences and things can happen that we can like feel like almost like there's a physical reality that's happening. There's this emotional reality that's happening. But when we know that it's Christ is when we are brought into a greater reality of who he is and they're brought into a reality that we are in need of him. And so we, we experience this conviction of sin. Um, and so that was like really encouraging to me to think about like Mary's interaction. Jesus asked questions and didn't rebuke in her lack of understanding. And that's like really helpful in 
all the people were laboring alongside of trying to push to Jesus to be like, he is inquisitively asking questions that are leading her to Jesus. And as we get to be conduits of God's grace and as we get to step in to um, this role of saying, I know what Jesus would do and I want to honor these people, we get to ask them inquisitive questions, drawing them to the person of Jesus because he he calls us his hands and his feet now. And so he bodily is with Christ, but has given us the Holy Spirit to love and to push others towards him. And it felt like a commissioning as well as like an encouragement. And what about you? I mean, just hearing you say that, um, I would say like in the last couple of months, I've, I've realized like the depths of how far God's grace mm-hmm. can go. Like I recognize my own sin and sometimes feel like I recognize my own undeservingness, my own unworthiness to be saved. Mm-hmm. And when you think about how many disciples showed up at the tomb, yeah. It's zero. Yeah. When you think about how many how many disciples were there at the cross, um, maybe John, and, and he was a kind of a bystander. With, with, with uh, Mary, Jesus' mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you think about the amount of doubt that the disciples had that mm-hmm. goes all the way, and I don't know if Brennan's going to preach on this, but that goes all the way up to Thomas, who says, I will not believe until I see the evidence. And I think about like Jesus could have walked in to the room with those disciples and been like, yeah, where the heck were you guys? Yeah. You jerks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, Mary came and she didn't even come expecting. She just came to, you know, sort Something of nice tend to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he could have shown up and been like, you weren't there. You weren't there. You abandoned me. Peter, you denied me three times. You know what I mean? He could have called out every single one of those disciples. Blew everybody up. And I don't I don't put myself yeah. in in that in that light. I, I I only put myself in the light of the failure of the disciples. And I think to myself, well, Jesus is standing there ready to condemn me because, you know, I'm I messed up A, B, and C, and he's standing there with his arms crossed, like again. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the fact that Jesus went as far as Thomas and said, Thomas, go ahead, put your hands in here. Put your hands in my, put your fingers in my hands. Go ahead, look at my side, look at my feet. It's me. Mm. When I think about um, what was encouraging or helpful for me, it's this idea, you know, people see me like leading worship, leading Bible studies. When I tell you that every single day of my life, I have extreme doubts about my faith. And the only way that I can overcome those doubts is to have the word of God extinguish the flames of those doubts. And Pastor Brennan said, doubt your doubts. Be skeptical about your skepticism. Yeah. Um, I'm a human and I can sometimes, I overthink, I allow my mind to be clouded Mm -hmm. with the dusty thoughts of doubt. Yeah. And so many times it can be hard to see clearly, but the only thing that brings clarity is um, God's word. And so many times I I not only doubt my faith, I can doubt my salvation sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that brings clarity to the fact that I'm saved is just the magnitude of the grace of Jesus Christ. Yeah, We see it in, in the story with Mary, but it goes all the way through Peter, through Thomas and then through 
<laughs> I mean, all through church history to where we are today, God's grace abundant in our lives. Mm. I was just thinking about in in the text, talking about how like it's our prejudice sometimes and sometimes it's our experiences. And I was thinking about the reality of shame in the life of a believer and what shame robs us of. Um, and shame is funny because it sometimes masks itself in disbelief. Sometimes it masks itself in doubt of like, we're experiencing pain from sin that we've done. We don't want to bring it to Jesus. We don't want to expose it. And it makes us question our beliefs because the pain is so real and so palpable. And so I know I experienced that. I considered walking away from Jesus when I was exiting college. Um, There was so much shame in my sin that I said like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I don't want to rip off this Band-Aid. And so I would be curious for anyone who is listening, who feels that they're allowing doubts to reign or they're questioning their faith or they're saying, you know what? I might throw in the towel and they're really experiencing shame, shame of their sin. How would you encourage them with the truth and Jesus's invitation to them? Either one of you can can take this one. Point at me. I mean... I feel like you're currently walking through it, so I would think that <laughs> this would be you the best to speak on it. I'm a pro at shame. Tell them what you're really doing. <laughs> um, Tell them where you really be at. There's a real sense of finding the balance between conviction and condemnation, mm. um, and I'm I'm walking through that now, dealing with sins that I've had in my past that are rising up against me and I'm probably dealing with for the first time in my life with any real sincerity. Mm. And I think back and I'm just like, man, I am so ashamed. I feel guilty over things that I've done. And and maybe many of you listening today, like Pastor Brennan said, you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you're like, how in the world did I do something like that? And when that happens, we need to we need to learn to decipher between whether or not this is the Holy Spirit convicting us or this is the accuser condemning us. Mm. One thing that I've learned is that Satan loves to wear different hats, right? Yeah. So um, in those moments where you feel temptation to sin, he'll put on the hat of, oh, come on, man, it's not that bad. Like. Yeah. You know, it's a minimizer. Just, yeah, it's just a little bit. You know, you deserved it. You know, mm-hmm. you'll feel good afterwards. Blah blah blah. And then as soon as you commit that sin, he'll take that hat off and put on a new hat. This is, oh, you are so guilty. Mm-hmm. You are nothing. You are undeserving. God doesn't love you. God doesn't want you. Yeah. And even if, even if Satan cannot remove ourselves, well, we know he can't, but. If he cannot remove our salvation, the one thing that he can do is... God bless you, babe. You over here sneezing on the mic. The one thing thing that he can do is cause us to have spiritual paralysis, which which makes us say, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm taking myself out the game. Like, put me on the bench, coach. I don't deserve to play. I don't want to play. Yeah. I'm not I'm not good at this. I'm going to let the team down, yeah. which is exactly what Peter could have felt, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Thomas could have felt, which is exactly what Paul could have felt. But Jesus doesn't say, yeah, go sit on the bench. He may say, like, you need a season of restoration or you need a season yeah. of, of, um, of, of, of repentance. And healing, yeah. But one thing that I've, I've interacted with 
um, a, a late pastor named R.C. Sproul, who said that as a pastor, people would come to him and say, you know, Pastor Sproul, I feel so much guilt over my past sin, and I've I've repented of it. I've walked away from it. Uh, I've, I've asked God for forgiveness, but I just feel so much guilt about it. And he said, well, I would tell those people, you need to repent. And they would say, well, I just told you, like, I have repented. I have walked away from it. And he said, no, you need to repent of the idea that when you ask God for forgiveness, he did not forgive you immediately. Mm. And I... When I watched that, I just began ugly crying because I I want to go to God and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry over this one thing that I've done. And then I come back the next day and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like, please. And you know what I do is I keep on putting Jesus back on the cross. Mm. He's already paid for it. All of your sins and even the sins that you will commit in the future, yeah. he has paid for them. But I don't live like I believe that. I live in my doubts. I live in the stench and the filth of my own self, um, self deprecation. Yeah. And and if I continue to do that, I will I will stay sidelined. I will yeah. live out of the the game of Christianity and let everybody else enjoy the fruit and blessing of of evangelism and 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 running to God for forgiveness. Uh, we will not love God perfectly. That. That is the the standard is perfection to love God perfectly. I have news for you. You won't do it. And that is why Jesus came yeah. to give us grace in the areas that we fail most miserably. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. I think there's this beautiful reality that it's an embracing of God's unmerited grace. Um, and it's the faith to believe that everything is forgiven. Every single sin is forgiven um, in full, not in part, not waiting for you to get it together, not asking you to figure it out. Even though you've asked for forgiveness, you don't need to make yourself better. It's saying, I believe that when I repent, Jesus is right there, ready, already justified, drawing me as he's sanctifying me into greater reality of him. And there is, that's good news. That's good news for the believer who is crippled by shame. That's good news for the person who doesn't know Jesus that the invitation is you can come now. Um, oh, friends, such a joy. Uh, I would love, and do you have one more thing you want to add? I do. Okay, I, I see that in your <laughs> eyes. Add this before we land this plane. <laughs> and I'm not just saying this because my lovely, beautiful wife is here, but I think what's important is to look at the relationships in your lives in which you have experienced grace and forgiveness. I have two little girls. My oldest is three years old. And every now and then, I say every now and then, probably 29 times a day, she needs my grace and my forgiveness. And I am quick to extend it to her. I am, I have to discipline my my daughter. If, if not, then she will turn into a beast. She's already half beast. Mm -hmm. She will be a full-blown animal if I don't discipline her. <laughs> but in that discipline, I recognize that once that discipline is given to her, my desire is to shower her with affection and grace. Mm. And Probably the area of my life where I've experienced the most forgiveness and the most grace is my marriage. Mm. And my wife has always been quick to forgive me, quick to show grace to me. And if she, a a partly fallible human being, <laughs> is is quick to show a little less than perfect. <laughs> just a hair under perfect. 
a gray hair. On <laughs> She's thirty. Now. That's my imperfection. Gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> but if if she, uh, a, a fallible human being, is is quick to forgive, then why don't I trust that God is even more perfectly quick to forgive? I understand that He is perfect, and that does intimidate me. That does make me nervous to think about standing before a holy, righteous God. Um, but he also explains that he is quick mm. to forgive. Um, I I have experienced the joys and benefits of counseling as well. It's been something that I've been able to walk through. And I would second what my wife said, uh, that if you're walking through something, you know, it may be it may be difficult to expose yourself um, to to people that you know well. Maybe that first step is is going to somebody who who doesn't know you as well, but does know the Lord, yeah. and can walk through uh, whatever situation you're walking through with you together. Mm. That's so good. Um, amen. 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 Uh, Liz, will you pray us out to start, and then Anne, will you close? Two prayers. Yeah, sure. Two prayers. Uh, a di- dial praying. and a hang up. <laughs> Any unspoken request? (laughs) Big drama, big drama. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, the sermon and just our church family that we get to enjoy. And I just pray for anyone who's listening and that um, they would be able to apply this if it's something that they're going through. And I pray for... um, just everyone to have a deeper knowledge of your grace and forgiveness. Lord, we uh, we recognize our own limited abilities. Uh, we recognize our own sinfulness. And um, Father, we pray that, that you would just continue to make us more aware of the ways that we fall short every single day of our lives. But not to be self-condemning or self-deprecating, Lord, but... Um, to demonstrate your grace toward us. First um, Timothy chapter one, verses 15 and 16, remind me just, we are chief of sinners, um, but we are chief of sinners so that you can demonstrate your immeasurable grace and love toward us. Mm-hmm. So Father, we pray that you would just make that aware to us, cause us to believe it, to believe it uh, help us to stay away from doubts. And when doubts do come, Lord, We pray that you would uh, just cause us to have our eyes on you, uh, like Peter walking on water, Lord. We pray that our eyes would be fixed upon you, not upon the winds and the waves of life. Um, And even when we do fall, Lord, that you would reach down into the ocean and pick us up from the depths of our despair. Restore us, lead us to repentance so that we can give you glory in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Listeners, it's such a joy uh, to get to do the podcast. If you are not subscribed, I would encourage you to subscribe so that you can get a notification every time we have a podcast. And if you have any questions, you can email me at podcast at fellowshipcrosspoint.org. We are going to do probably Q&As throughout uh, the podcast, and we want to be hearing what you're learning or any encouragement that you have. It's a a joy uh, to be here with you. Thank you so much.